pastors here. And today we are continuing our series on the God I Never Knew, where we're talking about how real, authentic friendship is available for us, Holy Spirit. So we've been talking about how the Holy Spirit is God, how the Holy Spirit is our helper and our friend, and we're talking about how the Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. So he's not like the force from Star Wars, where Luke Skywalker uses the force. But the Holy Spirit is a person, and we can have a personal relationship with him. Well, today I want us, uh, I know that this series uh, can be both encouraging to us and challenging to us. And I think it's a great opportunity as we look at who is the Holy Spirit uh, to uh, look at what is it that I believe and why do I believe what I believe. And so for us as Christians, as we look at all of these different aspects of who the Holy Spirit is, we want to go to the source. We want to look at God's word to really understand why do we believe what we believe. But even if you're here and, or watching online and you're not a follower of Jesus, it's a good thing for us to look at why do we believe what we believe? What is our foundation? What is the source of these things that we believe? And I had an experience with this. Uh, when I was a young man, I got invited to go and speak at a kid's camp in Nova Scotia. And so I was excited to be the guest speaker. And it was one of the first times that I was around Christians who had a different perspective on things than I did. And I started to pick up on this on the first night of the kids' camp when the band started playing and the music was going. And I just closed my eyes and I lifted my hands in worship. And then when I opened my eyes, I realized I was the only person in the building that had his hands raised. That's just not how they expressed themselves in worship. And later on, uh, that evening and some other evenings, I was talking with the staff and the counselors, and I just happened to mention in passing about how I had received a prophecy how God had spoken to me when I was younger. And they stopped me because they had never ex met anybody who had actually received a prophecy before. They had a whole bunch of questions for me about what that looked like and the prophetic gatherings that we would have in our church. And I came to understand that they had a different perspective on who the Holy Spirit was. They had a different understanding of the Holy Spirit. They had a different experience of who the Holy Spirit was. They loved Jesus. We're all going to heaven. Uh, and it wasn't like they were against the Holy Spirit, but they had a different perspective. And so it led me, when I came back home to Calgary, to take a look at why do I believe what I believe? Why do I lift my hands in worship? Is that just because that's what I saw other people doing? And so I just started doing it too? Or is there a biblical reason to do that? And why do I believe that God can speak to me through prophecy? Is that just something that I've experienced? Is that just a tradition that I'm familiar with? Or is there something in the Bible that tells me that that's true? And so as we're looking at this series on the Holy Spirit, we want to look at why do we believe what we believe? And well, today I want us to examine Three milestones in the life of a believer. So for people who are following Jesus, there are these events, there are these milestones that we can see in our life. And the first one is salvation. 
that we would agree that all of us, if we are Christians and followers of Jesus, that that begins with experiencing salvation. That Jesus told us that he came to seek and save the lost. But I recognize that we may have had a different journey of reaching salvation. And the Bible gives us a couple examples of this. So the example of Peter is someone who was a close uh, disciple of Jesus. He had a, a friendship with Jesus. He went where Jesus went. He listened to him teach and preach. He saw the miracles that he did. And over the course of years and years spent with Jesus, Peter began to think, man, I think Jesus, I think he might be the Savior. I think he might be the Messiah. And then he was crucified, and then Peter didn't know what to believe. But then Jesus rose from the dead again, and it was after Jesus' resurrection that Peter experienced salvation, that he was saved by Jesus. But it was a journey. It was a process that led him there. And then the Bible gives us another example of somebody named Paul. Paul, Paul had an encounter with Jesus. He was on the road to Damascus, and as he was traveling, Jesus appeared to him. He had an encounter in a blinding light Jesus spoke to him, and in a moment, Paul's life was changed. And I know that there are some people here, and you have had a journey to salvation. Maybe you don't even know exactly when it was that you came to faith, but you were coming to church, and you were uh, listening and hearing things and thinking about Jesus, and then all of a sudden, one day, you realized, you know what? I believe this. I've experienced salvation. It's Jesus who saves me. And I know that there are others of us here who you had an encounter with Jesus. You can tell us the date that you prayed a prayer. You responded to an altar call. You came forward. You gave your life to Jesus. In a moment, your life was changed. But all of us would agree that being a Christian begins with salvation. It is the first event. It's the first milestone in being a follower of Jesus. The second event that we would see in the life of a believer would be water baptism. And just like Christians around the world, groups of Christians will agree that salvation is the first event or milestone in being a Christian Christians all around the world would agree on the importance of water baptism because Jesus himself was baptized. Jesus' disciples told us in the New Testament to repent and be baptized. And so we see all around the world people see the importance of water baptism. But we, what we also see is that there might be a difference in the methods that people use to baptize. And so some groups of Christians will sprinkle people as part of baptism. And other groups, like ourselves, we believe that to be baptized is to be fully immersed under the water because we're following the example of how Jesus was baptized. Some groups of Christians will baptize infants. And other groups, like ourselves, believe that baptism is a willful choice that we make. It's not a choice that somebody else makes for us. It's not something that we're to be peer pressured into. But it's us saying, yes, I want to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. It's saying goodbye to our old life, our old way of living, and coming up into new life in Jesus Christ. It's a public declaration 
and an external action showing something that's already happened internally inside of us. So different methods for baptism, but all would agree on the importance of being water baptized. And I recognize that there might be some people here who you're following Jesus, you've experienced salvation, and you have not been water baptized. And I want to encourage you to be baptized. I want to encourage you to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and to consider for yourself, what is it that's keeping me from being baptized? Well, when it comes to a third event in the life of a believer, a third milestone, really the question we need to ask today is, is there a third event? Is there a third milestone in the life of a believer? Does the Holy Spirit baptize? Because we see in groups of Christians around the world, salvation, we would agree. Water baptism is important. Our methods might be different, but we agree on the importance of water baptism. But when it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that third mile marker, there isn't agreement. And there is a variety of teaching. And there's a lot of confusion as to if that is a third event. And so what we're going to do today is we're just going to look at what the Bible says. We're going to look at a bunch of different scriptures. We're going to start in the Gospels, and we're going to work our way through the book of Acts, trying to answer this question. Does the Holy Spirit baptize? So if you have your Bible, you can join me in. We're going to be moving quickly, but I know you can flip through, or if you're on an app, you might find it a little easier. But Matthew chapter 3 is where we're going to begin. In verse 11... Uh, there is a guy, a prophet, sent from God. His name is John. And he is baptizing people. And this is what John says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. He says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I am not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then that someone shows up, and it's Jesus. And Jesus insists that John baptize him. And so in verse 16, it says, after his baptism. So John takes Jesus out into the river, and he dunks him under the water. And as Jesus comes up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. Now here in these two verses, we see the fullness of the Godhead. We see the Trinity. We see that our God is three and one. We see the Father who speaks from heaven. This is my dearly loved Son who brings me much joy. We see the Son, Jesus Christ, being obedient to the Father, being baptized. If there was ever somebody who didn't need to be baptized, it was Jesus. But he did it to fulfill all righteousness and to set an example for us to follow in. And so we've got the Father, the Son, and then the Holy Spirit descends like a dove and settles on Jesus. In John's Gospel it says he rests on Jesus. And in that moment, 
Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit. And this launches Jesus into his next years of ministry. The baptism of Jesus is at the beginning of all four Gospels. And we see Jesus being full of the Spirit. Now I want to get this part exactly right. Jesus is filled with the Spirit. The Bible says without limit. He's led by the Spirit. We see that next as he's led into the wilderness. Empowered by the Spirit. Anointed by the Spirit. That Jesus taught according to the Spirit. He healed the sick by the Spirit. He cast out demons by the Spirit. On the cross, Hebrews tells us, Jesus offered his sinless body as a sacrifice by the Spirit. Jesus was resurrected by the Spirit. He was raised to life in the Spirit. And so Jesus is our ultimate example of what it looks like to live a Spirit-filled life. And so when we talk about does the Holy Spirit baptize, we see it in the life of Jesus. He lived a life saturated with the Holy Spirit. And I want us now to look at the book of Acts. We're going to go to Acts chapter 1. And I know last week Pastor Todd did an excellent job talking about Pentecost in the first couple chapters of Acts. But I want to show us the final words that Jesus said uh, to his disciples. This is Acts chapter 1. In verse 5, Jesus says, John baptized with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then we see, in Acts chapter 2, the fulfillment of this. In verse 4 it says, Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So we started in Matthew. John the Baptist said, someone's coming. He's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in fire. And then we see Jesus saying in Acts chapter 1, in a few days, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 2, it happens. The outpouring of the Spirit and the 120 people gathered in the upper room are filled with the Holy Spirit that appears as fire. Now, some groups of Christians would stop here and say that because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, that now when we receive salvation from Jesus, that we are full of the Holy Spirit. We have all of the Holy Spirit that there is to have. And so they would pause here and say that that's all that there is. But what I want us to do is continue to look through the book of Acts to see some other examples of what happens. And so we're going to turn to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 takes place one to five years after the events of Acts chapter 2. So we know it is years later. 
there is a leader in the church, and his name is Philip, and he goes to Samaria, and he tells the people in Samaria the good news of Jesus, how we can be forgiven of our sins. And people believe, and people are baptized. And then this is what it says happens in verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. So years after the events of Pentecost, a group of Samaritan believers, they have had the milestone of salvation. They've had the milestone of water baptism. And now the apostles come and lay hands on them and pray for them, and they receive the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's a separate event from what they've experienced so far. Years after Pentecost. And one thing I want to note is uh, we've seen in the Gospels before where the disciples, how they would treat people who were from Samaria. They treated them as less than, even as they followed with Jesus. And Jesus would address it with them. But here, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, after they've been filled with the Holy Spirit, now they see these Samaritans as brothers and sisters in Christ. And they're coming to them and praying for them and seeing them filled with the Holy Spirit. It's remarkable the change that's happened in Peter and John. All right, that's Acts chapter 8. We're going to look at Acts chapter 10 now. It's just a few chapters over, but this is now seven to ten years after the events of Acts chapter 2. Peter, one of the apostles, he receives a vision from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit talks to him. Because the Holy Spirit is not like the force in Star Wars, but we can have a personal relationship with him. And so the Holy Spirit talks to Peter and tells him that he is to go to Cornelius to his friends and his family that are gathered together. And Peter goes and he preaches the gospel to them. He tells them the good news, that we can be forgiven of our sins because of what Jesus Christ has done. And as Peter is preaching, it says in verse 44, even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they, had, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized? Now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. So here we see, for this group of Gentiles, they come together. Peter preaches to them. And in one day, they experience salvation. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. And then, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, they're baptized. 
So we see all of these milestones all happening in one day and in a different order than we've seen before. And this is seven to ten years after Pentecost. In the book of Acts, we also see the account of Paul, who I mentioned before, that he had an encounter with Jesus and his life was changed. Well, when he encountered Jesus, he was blinded and for three days and three nights, he didn't eat anything, he didn't drink anything, and he was blind. And then God spoke to a man named Ananias and sent Ananias to Paul to pray for him that he would receive his sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so Ananias comes three days after Paul encounters Jesus. And as a separate event, Paul is healed and filled with the Holy Spirit. And it tells us he's also baptized. In Acts chapter 19, we see another example. This one is 18 to 25 years. This is two decades after Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Paul now is a leader in the church. It says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Well, what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So Paul comes to Ephesus. And he sees these people who have outdated information. They're still living according to the baptism of John the Baptist. And so he tells them the good news of Jesus and what Jesus Christ has done. And as they hear it, they believe. And then they are water baptized. And then he lays his hands on them and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. Two decades after the events. Of Pentecost. And so when we look at the question, does the Holy Spirit baptize? We can say, yes. Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit. He lived a life saturated in the Spirit. 120 people in the upper room were filled with the Holy Spirit. One to five years later, a group of Samaritans who believed who had been baptized, were visited by the apostles, and filled with the Holy Spirit. A group of Gentiles, seven to ten years later, were filled with the Holy Spirit. Two decades after, a group in Ephesus who had incorrect teaching, they received the truth and were filled with the Holy Spirit. And 2,000 years later, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can be baptized in the Spirit. 
And so can we be a church who would say that we are open to whatever God has for us? Can we have the attitude that would say, Jesus was baptized, and so I want to be baptized. And Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, and so I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to give you one more example. In 1870, there is a pastor named D.L. Moody. And he uh, pastors a church in Chicago that is very successful. It's large. It's growing. And he has uh, two ladies who come to his meetings, and they always sit on the front row. And their names are Auntie Cook and Mrs. Snow. And during the meetings, they pray for Pastor Moody. They pray for him uh, throughout the whole service. And when the service is over, he goes to them and says, hey, uh, don't pray for me. Pray for the people. And they say, oh, pastor, we're praying that you would be filled with power from the Holy Spirit. And D.L. Moody says, I already have power. I have all of the Holy Spirit that there is to have. Except that inside of D.L. Moody's heart, there was something that God was doing where he began to see that even though he had a large and successful church, he had kind of reached his capacity of what he was able to do. And he started to see the weaknesses and the deficits even in his own ministry. And there was a hunger inside of him for something more that God would have for him. And so after considering these things, he went back to these two ladies and he said, you know what, I want you to pray for me that I would receive power from the Holy Spirit. D.L. Moody joins them in praying for power from the Holy Spirit. He prays fervently that the Holy Spirit would come and fill him. And sometime later, it's an event, uh, it's written about in the book, The God I Never Knew. It's in a couple of uh, D.L. Moody's uh, biographies, one written by his son, one written by a close friend. But they all say that it's something that D.L. Moody didn't really like to talk about a lot. Because it was a divine moment. It was a holy thing that happened in his life. It was hard for him even to put it into words. But he was walking in New York City on Wall Street. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Holy Spirit flooded into his life. And he had to rush over to a friend's house and spend hours in a room by himself where he experienced the Holy Spirit filling him. He described it as being filled with love being filled with joy, and that it was so intense that he had to beg God to relent because he was worried he was going to die. But I want to pause here because I think sometimes when it comes to the idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit, we kind of get the sense of what exactly am I opening myself up to here? But for D.L. Moody, he opened himself up to being flooded with God's love. How much God loved him and cared about him. That he was flooded with joy from God. That he was filled with power so that he could be a witness to those all around him. D.L. Moody said that that event changed his life. It transformed his ministry. He said that he went and he just continued to preach the exact same sermons. But now 
hundreds of people would come and receive salvation after those same messages. Not because of D.L. Moody's power, but because he'd been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Can we be a church who would say, God, we are open to everything that you have for me. But I recognize that maybe there are some people here, and maybe you're like those people in Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. Maybe you've had some incorrect teaching, some outdated teaching, maybe some things that have been confusing to you about the Holy Spirit or have given you maybe a perspective that doesn't line up with what God's Word says. Maybe there are some of us here who have experienced some weird and kooky people who've tried to manipulate us when it comes to the Holy Spirit. That's not who the Holy Spirit is. But we could see it. It could happen in a day. It could happen over time. It could happen in the middle of an ordinary day. But we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're looking at these milestones in the life of a believer. The first one is salvation. In Ephesus chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, if we can put it up on the screen, I want us to see this when it comes to salvation. Ephesus chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. I know I'm throwing the tech team off a little bit. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. The Bible makes it clear that we are saved by grace through our faith in Jesus. That it's a gift that God gives us. It's not a reward. It's not based on all of the good that we're able to accomplish in our life. Our ability to leave the world a better place than we found it. Those are good things, but salvation is a gift based on the work that Jesus accomplished for us. And I wonder today if there are some people that are listening to this. Maybe you've been on a journey. Maybe you've been around Jesus. Maybe you've listened to his teaching. But maybe today is a day where you would put your faith in Jesus to say, you know what? I believe you, Jesus. I believe that it's you who forgives me of my sin. That salvation is a gift because of what you have done for me. Maybe today you would say, you know what? November 7th, 2021 is the day where I had an encounter with Jesus, where Jesus met me. And I gave my life to him, and I believed him, and it's a day I will never forget because I received salvation that came from Jesus. That can be you today. I wonder if there are some here that would say, I'm ready to put my faith in Jesus. If that's you, wherever you're at, I want to encourage you just in your heart right now to say, Jesus, would you come and save me? I believe that you can forgive me of my sins. I want salvation that comes only from you. And if you're saying that today in your heart, I want to encourage you to tell somebody, to share that with somebody. We would love to hear that you experience salvation today 
that only comes from Jesus. The second milestone that we discussed today is water baptism. And maybe there are some today who recognize that you have not been water baptized. You've been saved, but you have never been baptized in water. That you would say, you know what, today I want to be obedient and follow the example that Jesus has set for me. And I want to be baptized. And if that's you today, I want to encourage you. Let us know. Come tell us. Come up to the front. Let a pastor know. Go to the info counter. Send an email to info at eastsidecitychurch.ca. Send us a private message. But say, I want to get baptized. We would love to walk you through being water baptized. Maybe there are some of us today who would say, today I want to be filled with God's Holy Spirit. I want everything that God has for me. And so here's what I want us to do. In a moment, Margot is going to lead us in a song. I know we've been sitting for a while, so I want to encourage you, if you're able, would you stand to your feet? And if you would say today that you want to be filled, even as we sing this song, can we say, Holy Spirit, would you come and fill me? Would you flood my life, my heart? So if you're willing, would you stand? Would you stand with me? There's one last thing. I know sometimes when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we can feel uncomfortable or uncertain. But twice in the New Testament, when it's talking about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Jesus. You know, I always find that so helpful when it comes to the Holy Spirit. When I'd say, you know what, Jesus, I know you. I trust you, Jesus. Jesus, would you fill me with your spirit? Spirit of Jesus, would you come and fill and flood and saturate my life like you did with Jesus? And so even as we sing this together, can we be open and asking for God's Holy Spirit to come and fill us?
Jesus, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you that you are here. Your presence is in this place. And God, our hearts are open. God, we're asking that you would come and that you would fill us up. God, we want everything that you have for us. Spirit of Jesus, would you come and saturate us? Would you lead us? Would you anoint us? God, would you overflow even out of us? God, would we be a church that would say, we want everything that you have for us, that we are open to you and open to your spirit. God, would you lead us and guide us? Jesus, we thank you. We thank you.